We bless the Lord today. We celebrate His goodness in this place. We worship and we sing together. Join us as we worship and we sing.
What a joy it is to see you here today. Welcome, church family and iCampus viewers and those of you watching by simulcast and other parts of our campus. Today is a day we've waited for months when we can gather as a church family to worship. We're so thankful you're joining us. If this is your first time worshiping with us, we want to connect with you and get to know you better. No matter if you're present here with us or watching us on a screen somewhere, follow those links and complete the online connection card. If we can pray for you, please complete that prayer request card, that section on those cards for us as well. Guests, at the close of our service, we'd like to invite you to meet our pastor and his wife, Rebecca, out in the foyer. He has a gift for, to give you. It is a copy of his book, The Privilege of Worship. We sing of the forgiveness of Jesus today. Are you washed in the blood? You need to stand as we sing on this one. Amen. 
Please be seated. Today, we continue the series, Praying Through the Dots and the Lord's Prayer. And specifically today, the idea of being forgiven and forgiveness. It is poignant today. And we read scripture together, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. This is good news. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Yeah. 
Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning as we continue to focus on God as the one who is worthy of all praise. Our Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for who you are, for what you do, for how you love us, for the way you redeem us, the way you forgive us, the way you reorder our lives, the way you take care of us. Lord, you are amazing. And as we've praised you today, we want to be sure that we're faithful to serve you. And as we encounter your word now, we pray that you would instruct us and teach us. We pray you'd convict us and challenge us, draw us closer to yourself, and do something in us all today that maybe we didn't even expect when we arrived here this morning. Speak to us as our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to turn in your copy of God's word to Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, as we continue our series Praying Through the Dots with a message entitled, We Repent and Forgive. And we've been journeying through this uh, passage over the last several weeks, working our way through this prayer, which is so packed with so much information. Each of these phrases is so loaded down with powerful prayer for us. And so far, Jesus had said, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That last phrase is where we focus our attention today. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That's Matthew 6. Later on in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus tells a story about forgiveness. And it goes something like this. The man owed a lot of money. In Jesus' day, he owed 10,000 talents. That's the equivalent of $10 million today. This man was upside down. He was maxed out. And everything he owed, he owed to the king. He owed the king more, though, than the entire Roman Empire took into its coffers in a year. The empire could do everything it did with about $850,000. It could build roads, it could fight wars, it could pay the entertainers, it could pay the teachers, and even have money left over for Caesar to just roll around in. $10 million was more than anyone could even owe. In fact, it was possibly more money than was even in the whole world at the time. And the king wanted his money. 
After all, if he could do everything with only $850,000, just think what he could do with $10 million. And so the king told his officials, bring all my debtors to me. I want to settle my accounts. I have big plans. And so the 10 millionaire debtor was summoned. Can you imagine his feeling when the king's officials showed up at his house? Time to pay up. No consumer debt credit counseling. No refinancing. No second mortgage. No skipping the country. No declaring bankruptcy. The king's officials were at his house and it was time to play. Ten million dollars. And did I mention that like most people in his day, this guy only made about eighty dollars a year? The doors leading into the king's chamber are thrown open and the man is uh, escorted into the king's presence. The king looks at his ledger and he says, um, says here, you owe me a, a lot of money. Yes, sir. You owe me $10 million. Yes, sir. I want my money. Uh, yes, sir, just, just a little more time, and, and then, no, I want my money now. Uh, yes, sir, I, I mean, I mean, I mean uh, no, sir, I, I don't have $10 million. And since the man is not able to pay, the king ordered that the man, his wife, his children, and all that they had be sold to repay the debt. And he has signs printed that say, estate sale tomorrow. Everything must go, including the family. And the man begs, wait, no, no, please be patient with me. I'll pay back everything. I'll work extra hours. I'll sell the donkey. I'll, I'll downsize my house. Whatever it takes, I will, pay, I will pay you back. Please, please have mercy, sir. Please have mercy. And what happened? Jesus says, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. He tore out the ledger sheet, and he ripped it up. Can you feel the freedom that the man must have experienced? A $10 million debt erased. The debt was forgiven. That's a good word, isn't it? Forgiven. Why don't you say that word with me? Forgiven. As we return to the Lord's Prayer this morning in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, Jesus encourages us to pray, forgive us our debts. William Barclay said, before a person can honestly pray this petition, he must realize that he needs to pray it. That makes sense. You can't ask for what you don't know that you need. But when you know you are a sinner and you know you are in deep debt, you know to pray, Father, forgive my debt. Forgive my sin. God's word helps us know that we are sinners. In case you thought you were perfect, God's word in several different ways lets us know several different kinds of sins that we have. In fact, the original language uses five different words for sin in the New Testament. 
Now, we often talk about the different words for love that are in the Greek, but we don't always talk about the different words for sin. There's words like hamartia, which is the most common kind of sin. This is the idea of missing the mark, like shooting an arrow at a target and you just totally miss the target altogether. Forget the bullseye. Then there's paraptoma, which is often translated a trespass. And and that's a, a slipping or falling that's more of a result from carelessness not really an intentional disobedience. And then there's the word parabasis, which is a stepping across the line. It's often translated a transgression because there's a deliberate stepping over a line between right and wrong that you know is there. Then there's the fourth word is anomia. And that's the sin of a man who knows right from wrong but goes ahead and does the wrong anyway. It's kind of the I don't care sin. I'm going to do it anyway. And then there's ophelima, which is a debt. A failure to pay which is that which is due. It's a moral and a spiritual debt to God. And that's the word that Matthew uses here in his rendering of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts, our ophelima. Now, it's interesting that Matthew uses that word for sin that means debt because when we look at Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer, he uses hamartia, that most common version. So, why would Matthew choose debt instead of hamartia? Well, we can't really be for sure. But think about what Matthew did before Jesus called him to follow him. Matthew was a tax collector. And if anybody understood debts, it was a tax collector in the Roman Empire. How many times had Matthew experienced a lot of what that king experienced with that guy groveling before him? Oh, no, please, please have mercy on me because my debt is so high. And so Matthew knew that debt was something everybody understood. In fact, it's interesting that Matthew is also the only gospel writer that has that parable that I started the message with about debts. Matthew knew that everyone understands debt. That was true 2,000 years ago. It's still true today. Some of us have more debt than we should. And sometimes we, we come to uh, the end of a, of a month and, and we realize, hmm, we really have more debt than we should. And we wonder how we're going to make it. And maybe sometimes our debt even keeps us up at night. So Ken Hempel says something interesting. If sin is like debt, when was the last time your sin kept you up at night? Not because you were ashamed of yourself, Hempel said. Not because you didn't like the conflict that it created. But just because you realized you were in debt to God. When was the last time your sin kept you up at night? Like out-of-control debt, sin is serious. And, and whether our sin today is ophelima, anomia, para, uh, parabasis, paroptima, or hamatia, at one time or another, we've all done all of them. There have been those times when we've just missed the mark of what God wanted us to do or to become. There have been those times we've just fallen into sin unintentionally. There have been those times we have slipped over the edge there have been those times we have said i don't care what god says i am doing this and consequently we became in debt 
to God. Whatever the type of sin, the Bible makes clear that we have all sinned. Proverbs 20, verse 9, who can say, I have kept my heart pure, I am clean and without sin? Isaiah 53, 6, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has gone his own way. Isaiah 64, 6, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And 1 John 1.8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We are all sinners. Still, even though we all can fall into the sin camp, we can't actually be divided into just two groups. The first group are sinners who stand forgiven. And the second group, are sinners who stand in need of being forgiven. Those of us who would fit in the first category of sinners who stand forgiven are those who have accepted Christ's sacrifice on our behalf. We have realized that we are sinners. We realize that we have committed all of these various kinds of sins, and so we have repented of those sins. And we have received Christ's forgiveness into our lives, and because of His payment by his death on the cross, we now live as forgiven people. Oh, we still sin more than we should. But we live in the shadow of the Father's forgiveness. And so that's where those of us who are believers are. We are sinners who stand forgiven. But the second group stands as sinners in need of forgiveness. And if you stand here, there's never been a point in your life when you have said, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that you died on the cross for my sins. And I need you to save me of my sins. Perhaps you, you've thought that you could act good enough. And, and maybe you thought if you acted good enough, that would be enough. That by somehow doing all the right things, you could pay off some debt and eventually you would snowball it. But the fact is, your debt is there. And you can never snowball it down because it's always snowballing up. And you can never catch up. And so you need the king to step in and just say, you are forgiven. But here's the good news. If you've never come to King Jesus, he's calling for you today. His... His angels are at your door, and they're knocking, and they're wanting you to come in. But here's the thing. Though they're calling for the payment due, they're also letting you know the king wants to forgive your payment. You see, God wants us to be forgiven. He encourages us to pray, forgive us our debts. But Jesus doesn't stop with forgive us our debts. He continues, as we also have forgiven our debtors. As we have forgiven. That's significant. It's not forgive us our debts and we will forgive our debtors. It's not forgive us 
our debts as we forgive our debtors. The Greek verb there is in the mood and tense that expresses a point of action in past time. So it has happened. It has been done. So literally we might say, forgive us our debts as we forgave. It's over. It's done with at some point back there. And so we clean it up grammatically in the English translations a little bit. And we say, as we have forgiven. God, forgive us just like we have forgiven others. Jesus stresses this point in verses 14 and 15 after the prayer where he says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's pretty heavy. And that begs the question, so does this mean that we'll not be forgiven if we don't forgive? Or does it mean that forgiving others somehow earns God's forgiveness for us? No. We can't do anything to earn God's forgiveness of us. There's nothing we can do. Jesus says these two verses, 14 and 15, to make a point. And his point is this, very simple. Are you forgiven? Then you need to forgive. Are you forgiven by Jesus? then you need to forgive others. Those who are willing to forgive others show that they have been truly forgiven themselves. And those who truly wish to be forgiven should be forgiving themselves. Let's return to that parable. You see, Jesus wasn't through with that story either. Jesus told about the man who owed a huge debt, and we left that man watching the ledger sheet being ripped up and and celebrating his forgiveness. But what happened... When he left the king's chamber, he was free because he owed no money. The debt was erased, so now free, the man headed out of the king's chamber, this time not escorted. He was excited. How many of you have ever received notice that you have paid the last payment on some debt? Maybe it was student loans or a car, a few of you, your house. It's a medical bill, whatever it was, some huge debt. And and finally, you're like, you write the last check, and you're like, oh, my gosh. It's gone. And there's this burden that's lifted, and you, you are excited, and you're blessed. Are you thinking about anything else other than the fact that, oh, my goodness, that's done. It's a wonderful feeling. And you would think that this guy would go out and maybe celebrate and have a good time. But, see, that's what Jesus says, but when, and you hear the music in the background, Uh uh-oh, but when the servant went out of the king's chamber, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 20 bucks. Now, that was a couple of months' wages back then. But what is 20 bucks compared to 10 million? 10 million dollars is 500,000 20 dollar bills. This guy was just forgiven all those, and he's wanting one. 
Our, our guy who's been forgiven meets another guy who owes him 20 bucks, and the scene is, is not pretty. He grabs him, he chokes him, and he demands, pay back what you owe me. And then the script reads almost the same way. Yes, sir. I want my money. Uh, yes, sir. I mean, no, sir. I mean, I, I don't have $20. And the fellow servant does the same thing our debt-free man did before the king. He drops to his knees and he says, oh, sir, be patient with me. I'll pay you back. I, I promise you I'll work overtime. I'll sell the donkey. I'll downsize the house. I'll do whatever I need to do, but I will pay you back. But our debt-free man refuses. Instead, he goes off, has this man thrown into prison so he can pay the debt. Does that make you scratch your head a little bit? Well, it made the other servants scratch their heads in Jesus' story. The rumor mill got going. And they went into the king and they said, You know, king, how that guy who came in here earlier today and you forgave him $10 million? Uh huh. He just went outside and he choked a dude and threw him into prison for owing him 20 bucks. King, that just doesn't sound right to us. The king says, it don't sound right to me either. And the master called in the debt-free servant and he said, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Oh, please, 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 have mercy, please, please. Pooey, pay up. Shouldn't you have gone out and forgiven those who had debts against you, which were far less than anything you owed me. And the master called his jailers and he said, take this man and torture him until he pays back every last cent. Jesus concludes the parable of the merciful servant in Matthew 18 saying, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Yes. God wants us to be forgiven, but God also wants us to be forgiving. He encourages us to forgive those who sin against us. Have you been forgiven? Then forgive. And as we've said, those who are willing to forgive others show that they have been truly forgiven themselves. And those who truly wish to be forgiven should be forgiving themselves. But that's tough. I mean, to forgive is not our default setting, is it? It's to get revenge. Maybe in a passive-aggressive way, but somehow to get it. We're more like the man who was bitten by a dog that was discovered to have rabies. And um, this was before they had treatments for that thing. And so he goes to his doctor, and the doctor says, Well, sir, I hate to tell you, but you've tested positive for rabies. And um, looks like you're going to die from it, so you better get your affairs in order. And the doctor left him, and the man asked the nurse for a piece of paper and a pen, and so he pulled the tray over, and he started working, just writing feverishly. The doctor came in an hour or so later, and he said, Well, sir, I'm glad you've just accepted where things are heading, that you have started writing your will. The man said, 
This ain't no will. This is a list of people I'm going to bite before I die. You know? That's what we want to do, isn't it, sometimes? We want to get revenge. Our default is not forgiveness. But Jesus tells those of us who have been forgiven that we must forgive as well. Have you ever been wronged by somebody? Maybe so bad that you found it hard to forgive. And maybe you still haven't forgiven them. Maybe, maybe you were passed over for a position at work and it was unjustly done. Maybe you were forced out of a job. Maybe you suffered a painful divorce or were accused of things that were not true or were in an abusive relationship as a child or as an adult. Maybe you were betrayed by a close friend. Maybe you had something taken from you. Maybe you watched a relationship turn sour. There are a lot of ways that people can hurt us. Let me tell you something. No matter how nice and good and godly you are, someone will hurt you. And those hurts hurt no matter how good and godly you are. But still, no matter the hurt, we must forgive. Jesus asks us, have I forgiven you of your sins? Then you need to forgive that person of their sins. We respond, but Jesus, I didn't fire you from your job. I didn't steal your precious possession. I didn't abuse you. No, you did none of those things. But you've sinned. You've missed the target. You've slipped over the line. You've boldly stepped over the line. And you got a lot of sin dipped. And still, Jesus forgave you. And then you went out and did the same sin again. And you went and you repented and he forgave you again. Our example is Christ, sinless, perfect, hanging on the cross, paying the debt of our sins, the sins of the entire world. As Romans 5, 6, and 8 says, you see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote, whenever I see myself before God and realize something of what my blessed Lord has done for me at Calvary, I am ready to forgive anybody, anything. Wow. But, but what about anybody, anything? But, but, but what about anybody, anything? If you're forgiven by God, then you need to forgive other people. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those who sin against us. We must Forgive. If we fail to forgive, we'll never experience the full joy of our own forgiveness. Unforgiveness affects us emotionally, physically, spiritually. You can never live beyond the hurt that's in your heart. You must allow God to heal that hurt. And so today, have you been forgiven? Then forgive. Do you need to be forgiven? Then repent. 
Where are you this morning? Are you on your way into the king's chamber in need of forgiveness? Then will you come this morning to the altar and, and plead for forgiveness of your sins? Or are you on your way out of the king's chamber and you've been forgiven? And on the way, you meet someone else who you need to forgive. Will you forgive them today? Chances are they've come to your mind even during this message. Will you release that? Will you forgive them? Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. May we pray together. Lord, anytime we come across one of these passages that challenges us to forgive, it's tough. We're eager to receive your forgiveness of ourselves, but we're a little stingy sometimes when it comes to forgiving others who've hurt us, especially those who've hurt us deeply. And so, God, I pray today that this hour, this moment, would be a time of wonderful release. Lord, here at 901 Main Street, Lord, in every home where this is being watched or listened to, God, I pray that this would be a moment of breaking bondage to unforgiveness. And that, Lord, that we would release that and that we would receive your forgiveness and the blessing that you give us when we forgive. And so, God, in this moment, we open our hearts to you and we pray that you would cleanse us from the unforgiveness that may be residing there. We pray, God, also for those in this room and, and watching online who have never trusted you as their Lord and Savior. And I pray that today would be the day they come into the king's chamber and they say, I need to be forgiven. Lord, help them to do that today. Help us, God, to seek your face in these moments. We're grateful that you want to clean us up. You want us to have the best life possible. And that begins by getting rid of stuff. And receiving your salvation. So Lord help us to do that today. Is our prayer in Jesus name. Amen. It may be that you need to trust Jesus Christ today. As your Lord and Savior. And if you're in this room. We're going to have. We're going back to a traditional time of invitation this morning. Or if you want to come forward and, and register your decision, you want to uh, pray with me, you want to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you to come. If you're watching online, I encourage you to follow those links and fill out that connection card and that decision card so that we can have that record and we can follow up with you this week. If you're in this room and you're not yet comfortable, you're like, I don't know about social distancing stuff, contact me later this week. Contact me this afternoon. We'll make an appointment and we'll be able to practice social distancing. You can still make your decision in that way. In this time, we invite you to come. We invite you to come and pray and to seek the Lord's face. Ask Him to move. As we stand and sing this wonderful song of worship that declares that our God is mighty to save, would you declare that for yourself today? Would you come to Him in salvation? Would you come to Him opening up, forgiving those who've hurt you? This is the time to be set free as we sing. Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of the
that today that we serve a God who is mighty to save. Amen. Amen. We want to go out there and declare that this week that he's mighty to save, giving some people some encouragement, helping them to know that God is in control. It's so good to see so many of you here this morning, and uh, as people are becoming more and more comfortable getting out, and some new Sunday school classes are opening up, it's good to see you here. And for those of you watching online, we look forward when you're able to join us again. I want to let you know about something this week that's coming up. Wednesday night at 6 o'clock in this room, we're starting uh, a Wednesday night back with this. Wednesday night prayer and praise. Now, before you think prayer meeting is the most boring thing I have ever attended in church in my life, this is not going to be like any prayer meeting you have ever seen in your life. I'm just telling you to come. There's going to be music. There's going to be powerful praying. It's going to be guided praying. We're not going to give everybody's, you know, vital signs and stuff when we share the prayer request. We're going to get the request. We're going to pray. It's going to be a powerful time. And we're going to be praying also for awakening to come to our nation. I've been convicted that this is where we need to reopen on Wednesday nights is to have a powerful prayer meeting. We're going to redefine what prayer meeting means to people, okay? Amen? Amen. Sue Miller's with me. She's been praying with us for that. Come join us Wednesday night. It's going to be great. Rebecca, would you come and close us in prayer?
Oh, Jesus, we thank you so much that you paid such a great price to forgive us. Lord Jesus, help us to forgive others. Help us to see, as Stuart said, our sin in the light of your cross and be able to say that they're forgiven and to let it go. Jesus, as we go out this week, there are so many people that are hurting. There are so many people that are in need. God, help us to have open eyes and open hearts and open ears to see what is in front of us and see the needs that are around us and help us to meet those needs or minister to hearts or give hugs when we need to do that. Lord, we love you so much. You are indeed mighty to save. Help us to just share that truth with someone this week. In Jesus' name, amen.